Salam and welcome everybody to our podcast, Unapologetic, The Third Narrative. Our original and authentic initiative in light of the war in Israel and Gaza. A platform where we will share our identities, views, and experiences from the ground. My name is Ibrahim Abu Ahmad. Uh, I was born and raised in Nazareth. And uh, today I work at ROPES, uh, the Regional Organization for Peace, Economics, and Security where I'm the uh, Director of Alumni Relations. And I also have a BA International Relations from James Madison University in Virginia and a Master's in National Security Studies from Haifa University. But today I'm speaking as Ibrahim, not as the Director of Alumni at Ropes or any NGO that I've worked for or with in the past or any peace initiative that I've been with because I want to bring my own authentic voice and to bring my own views on this conflict. And my name is Amira. I am a Jerusalemite. I was born in the UK, raised in the US, and spent my teenage and adult life here in Jerusalem. Um, I'm also a peace activist um, and a freelance consultant for peace organizations and initiatives. Uh, currently, I'm the program coordinator for also ROPES, uh, and I'm also here independently, free from any ties of any institution and organization. And uh, both of us are here as uh, Palestinian Israelis. Let's explain. What exactly does that mean, uh, Palestinian Israeli? And, uh, you know, we also, even though we come from the same sort of group, we also come from different identities in the same time. Yes. I think it's important to uh, address that because I come from the community known as uh, Arab 48 as a slang that is uh, used commonly to express our community, which is uh, predominantly the majority of the population that remained within the state of Israel, uh, the Palestinian population, of course, that remained after the establishment of the state and is still there. And these people became uh, citizens and their descendants, including myself and 20% of the population here, over a million and uh, 1.8 million citizens who are Arabs and in fact come from Palestinian uh, community. And we have 48 and you have 67. 67. And uh, not part of the 20% population of the uh, Arab Israeli um, or Arab citizens of, uh, of Israel are residents that are part, when we look at borders, uh, are part of uh, the state of Israel when, is, when Israel annexed Jerusalem in 67, um, but aren't actual citizens, most are uh, are actually residents without official citizenship and it's temporary residency. Now we'll go into details about Jerusalem and specific identities of Palestine in depth in future. Um, yes, it needs its own episode, to be honest. There are so many complexities and different identities that exist within the Palestinian identity that must be addressed and we will delve more in depth into that in our uh, upcoming episodes. Amira, yes. you know, we are in the middle of a war. Uh, the war is going on outside right, right now. now. And, you know, we could be called off to put a pause on the camera and to, if we hear the sirens, and instead of being with friends, family, we're here in a studio recording this podcast. Why are we here? Why are we here? I feel like that's a, a big question. I'll try to answer that. Um, I am, I'm devastated, I'm angry, 
of the uh, what's happening right now, the status quo of Israel and Palestine in general, but also the ongoing war that we're in right now. I'm also here because I am sick and tired of seeing the Palestinian voice filtered and manipulated and being talked over or talked for. Um, and as someone who monitors Islamophobia and anti-Semitism online, I'm seeing a peak, a like an increase in hate on social media that is fueling and triggering actual hate crimes in the States, in the UK and around the world in general. Why are you here, Ibrahim? You know, I think for me, especially, you know, if we go back to that uh, dark Saturday on uh, October 7th, you know, we as because we're Palestinians and Israeli citizens, we are in a very privileged, I would say, position that we are, I would say, the only ones who have the capacity to look at the world from different binoculars, to look at the world from a Palestinian eye, but also to look at the world from Israeli eyes. Because the truth of the matter is that we were born here, we were raised here, and, you know, uh, we have friends who are Jewish, colleagues, um, uh, co-workers, you name it, and uh, partners at times. And, you know, we live together at the end of the day. And when what happened on Saturday happened, it kind of connected everyone in the country. And, uh, you know, everyone sort of felt that they were affiliated to it because somebody was related to somebody. And I had a lot of friends who um, lost friends on that day. Likewise. And then a few days later, and then you're worried about your friends in Gaza yep. at the same time. And that like feeling... You're, you're pulled towards yeah, you're, both directions. You're pulled, and I don't want to be pulled. I don't want to be... I want to be unapologetic and our name of this podcast. I do want to be unapologetic about my sincere feeling of, you know... Um, pain. Pain and compassion to humanity, compassion to people. I feel these people's pain on both sides. And I don't need to apologize about that. I don't need to be filtered. And, you know, you mentioned how we as Palestinians are filtered or spoken of. And my other issue on the other side is that there is a sense that everything falls under one umbrella yes. group when we're... Uh, when something is pro-Palestinian. And, you know, if you're pro-Palestinian, particularly in the West, there's a, some sort of an umbrella group of everything that falls under that category, and you're supposed to support everything. And if you're not, you're the other side. You're pro-Israeli. Because what the West created is a sense of a black and white, of only two narratives that exist. You're either pro-Israeli or you're pro-Palestinian. And if you don't sit with everything that's under that pro-Palestinian category, you go to the other side. You're pro-Israeli now. So some people who are very pro-Palestinian in the West feel that they can't speak against Hamas because then you're categorized on the other on the other side of the, exactly. of the spectrum. And what we want to create here with this initiative is a third narrative in the West. I think we should be absolutely clear, and I'll say it to the camera, we're both very thankful for the reactions, for the, the power that we see uh, in the West, the power that we see outside of where we are right now. Um, but there is no textbook. There is no page that says that this is what pro-Palestinian means and this is what pro-Israeli means. There, you can be a liberal woman and, and be uh, against occupation, 
Um, you can be a liberal woman because I see a lot of things talking about celebrities that are condemning what's happening in Gaza right now. And the first reaction is, oh, you should go there. They would kill you. You're the first person that because you dress like this, because your beliefs are like this. And no, we were not advocating for a side. We're advocating for a solution here. You can't categorize people that are advocating for the cause and taking time out of their lives to protest, to post, to educate people um, and tell them, no, you're wrong because of how you're living. And if you were were there, you'd be treated so and so and so and so. Um, same thing goes for the uh, the LGBTQ plus community. When, you, when we see a, uh, someone who is either trans, gay, or identifies in a certain uh, gender advocating for the Palestinian cause, and the first default is to go say, and oh, but they're against you, and they're this, and there's that. The Palestinian community as a whole, I think we can say, is generally a conservative one um, and might not abide by those uh, those views. Western but values. Western values, but that doesn't mean that it's a wrong thing. Like we can, you can say that in, like when you go to any part of our region right now, regardless of the fact if it's Israel and Palestine. Um, and the same way, the same thing goes for the for the other side. If someone is Jewish and advocates for for for, Pal for Palestinians, it's not they're not a traitor. Um, or not even anti, they're immediately yes, anti-Israel, anti-Israel, anti-Jew. Exactly. And or if they're Palestinian and they say, wait, did you see like if they're Palestinian like me, when I bring up the people who died during uh, during the Black Saturday, some of which who are um, uh, Bedouins, Muslims, East Jerusalemites, Palestinians themselves from the rockets of Hamas to Israel, who has died like it comes both ways. It's extremely complex. There are things that we can call out as black and white, and there are things that are extremely like complex because they're related to identity, because they're related to how this land is currently segregated and separated. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, moving forward, um, I think at least for myself, I believe that the West has a, has a role to play. Absolutely. And the, the the role that the West has played so far was a role of advocacy, of of supporting one side over the other. And it's something that me and you, and you brought this example the other day about a, a feeling of a football match. Exactly. Like, you know, you're betting on our lives at the end of the day. It feels like we have two uh, uh, sets of fans and each one is supporting the team that they prefer. And hopefully one will beat the other at the end of the game. And mm -hmm. if it's a tie, we'll go to penalties. I don't know. But it, it just feels like you're supporting one over the other. And, and that support is to defeat the other side. And what we're saying is all of this at the end of the day leads us to one thing. War. war. And we're sick of war. And we've had it for the past 80 years and it's not working and it's and, and the only thing that we're getting out of is is more destruction more hate and we're we're sick of it and it, we need a new rhetoric and exactly. we need the west to help us and to bring a new voice not only a voice that says you know to protect uh, the the palestinian lives and protect israeli lives at the moment great but we need them to have secure lives for the future. What's next? What's next? Okay, we, we definitely, obviously we want to end the war, but what happens after the war? We need real long-term solutions because if we end this war today and we'll have another war tomorrow, what do we achieve by that? Nothing. 
we need a call for the West to push for real resolution. I'm not saying we need to be friends and have, you know, doves flying over Tel Aviv and Ramallah, but at least to have a, an actual resolution to set a clear border and to have people to self-determine their own lives in peace. Exactly. We are in a situation right now where names are where names are being blurred, faces are being blurred into vague statistics and numbers where we don't we can't continue like that. Like the is from the Israeli side and the Palestinian side, we can't become statistics and numbers that are talked of between politicians and between activists in 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 rooms. It it doesn't work like that and I think I speak for both of us when I say that Mind Ibrahim, we unapologetically refuse to take a side. We will unapologetically pledge to call out hate and incitement wherever it lies. And we invite you to do the same. We're trying to bring messages of unity and we will call out messages of division. I think one of the, f the first one that I encountered personally and I really was taken uh, personally by it was one post by Nes Daily, who a lot of uh, the audience might know. And he posted that before uh, October 7th, he used to view himself as first Palestinian and then Israeli. And after the war, now he decided that he is first Israeli and then Palestinian. And I immediately posted something against it. And, you know, that was one of the things that also pushed me to to try to do something to 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 bring this voice out there, because it was a dangerous, a dangerous thing to say by, yeah. by Nas Daily, especially someone who's that famous and he has power and influence. And that message was a message of division. Yes. I stand against what Hamas did on uh, October 7th, but in the same breath, I will not allow Hamas to diminish my own Palestinian identity. I am a Palestinian. That's who I am. And it will not be diminished by an act of one terror organization or one, one day of terror act. This is who we are. And we will discuss later in this episode what a Palestinian is. But we shouldn't uh, change our opinions and change our views and change who we are because of some people who are trying to take it to their own. Instead, we should be strong and stand with our identities and, again, unapologetically Palestinian. I, I wouldn't have put it in any other way. I agree with you 100%. Nas Daily and other, other, I don't, and other influencers that have such a big platform and coincidentally he's he's a palestinian and when i used to resonate with some things i wouldn't say everything but some things that nas daily would promote like tolerance and dialogue which is also something things that we promote but to throw your entire peoplehood under the bus like that like this doesn't doesn't make sense to me and even if i were to to say okay I equated, I equate, which I'm, I'm not saying, I'm saying this is wrong, equating Hamas to Palestine, to, Palestine, to being Palestinian. I think as someone who's pr as pr privileged as that, that he's removed from the situation because I don't think he lives here anymore. Um, at the end of the day, we are treated as Palestinians. And we, we can't forget that. We're treated as Palestinians. When I'm in, in East Jerusalem, okay, I'm between my people. I'm between 
um, my culture. But as soon as I step foot in from East Jerusalem to West Jerusalem and the wide the wider country, um, it's different. People hear an accent. People hear uh, sometimes lack thereof because in Jerusalem Hebrew isn't taught. Um, so you are treated as such when you walk and you look like a Palestinian young man. And I can't say that I I can't say that I have um, been through this. But as a man, when you go through uh, anywhere, and if uh, um, a police least I sees you, they see suspicion, especially during these times. Um, so if anything, if we're dropping anything, we can't drop how we're treated. We are treated as Palestinians. And that is, if anything, a bit the biggest reason to not let our identity go. Yeah, we need to stand brave and, you know, uh, believe in our own path forward, regardless of anyone who's trying to sabotage it. Regardless if it's Hamas, the the you know uh, the the right wing government in Israel, mm-hmm. or anyone else, it's, it's it's irrelevant. We will not break away from our push for a better future. We look at the people, you know, we, we have Jewish friends, and uh, we, we're looking for uh, better lives for them and for our Palestinian family and friends. And this is regardless of whoever is trying to represent them, either be mm-hmm. radical uh, governments or radical organizations. We still see humanity, and exactly. that's above all. On this podcast, we will be discussing the war in Gaza, the peace-building process, where it failed, and where we're heading to next. Within each and every episode, we will have a few segments that we will be discussing. Segments that include fact-checking, terminology within the conflict, and bringing actual voices from the ground. And I think we can start with our fact-checking segment. So let's talk about fact-checking. For our first segment of fact-checking, let's talk about the the major two things that have been circling around the media right now. Um, one is the tragic murder and beheading of the 40-plus babies um, during the, the Black Saturday. The second is the bombing of the hospital in Gaza and the falling of the 500-plus victims. Now, before we get into our, what we actually want to say, I think we should just for a second say that everything that is happening is extremely tragic, no matter the details. It is horrendous for for parents, friends, everyone, families in Gaza, everyone. It's 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 extremely, it's devastating to say the least. That's that's the first initial point. The second one, as someone from the West or even generally speaking, it just shows how gruesome the situation is at the moment. And maybe let's ask ourselves, does it really matter when we're advocating um, for a solution? Who did what at the moment, at the time being? Yes, in the future, it's going to be extremely important, the details and the gruesomeness of, of the situation. Uh, of who did what when, but right now when you're advocating for something to stop, when you're advocating for lives being lost, isn't it more important to specify the actual deaths that are happening, not who did the act? What What do you think? It just feels to me that, uh, I don't know how to say it. It's A justification? Not a justification as much as of um, a ch- uh, like a battle between both sides on who is suffering more. Uh-huh. 
it's what's worse, basically. It's an argument of what's worse. Is it worse of the 40 babies or it's worse the 500 uh, Palestinians in the uh, in the hospital? And each side feels like they're trying to, you know, place the importance on where they're suffering vis-a-vis the other. And it's sort of like, a, it becomes like a sort of a social media war of, you know, what's going to be more prevalent on the, on, the, on the social media pages, the 40 babies or is it the hospital? That becomes the question. And, you know, like, just like you said, it, at the end of the day, people are dying. It's not, a, it's not an issue of competition. People are dying and it doesn't, you know, uh, and we wrote fact-checking for this particular segment and we're not doing an actual fact-checking of who did it who did it or about the actual number if it's 500 or more or less and if it's for whether it's 40 babies more or less and whether or not they were beheaded or not you know beheaded shot killed throw out it doesn't matter at the end of the day babies died at the end of the day people in gaza are dying and they died in that uh in that hospital People are dying, and that's the main thing that we wanted to stress to people, that we want your support, not just to, you know, uh, advocate on one issue that happened, but to to call out the end of the entire conflict and the entire war and, in general, the entire conflict. I'll also add that it's also being used as a means of removing credibility from one side as if if something came out as false the entire like we said previously an umbrella if this if this statement is false that means oh everything is questionable yes everything as a whole not towards one side but everything as a whole you should question this is war we're talking about people are not counting their dead they are taking them from the ground and putting them into literally plastic bags and there's going to be a big, massive margin of error in war until it is hopefully soon over. And hopefully the conflict soon in, as a whole ends. I also want to remind everyone that news agencies are driven by ad revenue. They value, they don't value accuracy. They value ratings, they value shares. They really don't care about accuracy. They're just going to push out anything. Even those who have those who have their agendas will push towards their agenda. And generally, those who are just like looking for rates, looking for shares, are are not going to care about who's right, what is right. So don't be a victim of that. Question every single thing you see. Everything. You know, I remember a friend calling me after the the explosion of the hospital, and it was maybe 20 minutes after the first report that it happened, and was crying and saying, you know, reports suggesting 2,000 people killed. I'm like, pause. Calm down. Calm down. It looks horrific, but let's not jump into the statistics of some fake news media outlet that just wants, like you're saying, it just wants likes and shares to its post. You know, even if everybody dead was out there, how did you count 2,000 people? But people, but but these social media and in general media outlets, what they're doing is that they're they're, they're using numbers to get uh, likes and shares and to get more uh, exposure. That's what they care about, their own exposure, not about accuracy, like you said. This is, of course, only our first episode and therefore our first segment on fact-checking. So later on in future episodes, we'll talk about more examples, bring more things to the table to talk about, and maybe in s- specific cases, talk about the real, what actually happened, especially if there's an, an open investigation in something that happened that I would also like to clarify right now that it will happen after the war ends. 
not right now. Um, and let's switch to our next segment, terminology within the conflict. Terminology is so powerful. It's extremely powerful. It either makes a devil or an angel out of a person or a side. And the term that we decided to, to talk about today is, this is terror, this is Palestine. Again, extremely dangerous. It is, I'll bring up another slogan that's being, that's being used right now, which is Hamas equals ISIS. If you combine both these together, this is terror, this is Palestine, and underneath Hamas equals ISIS, you're equating Palestinians to Hamas to ISIS. I think that one, it was, uh, it was even uh, Palestinian Hamas equals In, yes. ISIS. It wasn't even like only Hamas, it was Palestinian Hamas, so you can connect the Palestinian term to ISIS as well. Terminology is so important and so extremely powerful. Like, to tie it to the fact-checking, using the word um, because, of the, because of the beheading of the 40 babies and other things, using the terms of Palestinians are barbarians, Palestinians are this, Palestinians are that. Again, it makes a devil out of one. It demonizes. A devil out of one side and an angel out of another, regardless of what side we're talking about. But the actual act, this is what it does. So terminology is extremely important. And maybe let's talk about um, though it needs an entire series, I think, to talk about what actually a Palestinian is and what Palestinianhood is. So like you said, um, and, and we also said it to our listeners, that we will have a whole episode on you know, the various identities within the Palestinian identity, overarching identity. But it's important to, because of that demonization and that attempt to equivalent Palestinians all Palestinians, so Hamas, and then to ISIS, it's important to address what exactly a Palestinian is in general. Palestinians are peoplehood. Palestinians are a people. And what is a people? A people is a culture, food, norms, weddings, habits, interactions, art. language, uh, art within that culture. There's art, there's music, there's so many other elements. And a common language, a shared history, and a, a, ge a geographic aspiration for a self-determination, essentially. Exactly. That is what a people uh, peoplehood is. And the Palestinian peoplehood was established in the 1920s, right after the fall of the Ottoman Empire, to establish a state, uh, to self-determinate and to establish a state within uh, the land of Palestine. That didn't happen at that time, but that doesn't diminish that Palestinian peoplehood. Because again, this is who we are as a people. We were divided uh, geographically to while, while our people were heading towards that aspiration of a state. And we had the 1948 war. Some of our people became uh, Israeli citizens. Some of them are in the West Bank, some in Gaza Strip, and some are refugees. But at the end, what we are is a people who are um, under one common denominator that you know connects us all our culture our our heritage our history this is who we are a palestinian is not a, only a movement a palestinian is not only a, a, you know an aspiration for the state either because before the state there is a people exactly and that's also in the same token uh, an answer to uh, some of the you know the jewish people who gives me the, who give me this argument of well, there was never a state of Palestine. 
So, or it's a re- it's a new identity. Or it's that a new identity. Created. So first and foremost, the first answer to that is on a Jewish level. The Jewish people used uh, became a people after they left and escaped from Pharaoh in Egypt. And then we became a people. And that peoplehood was created because they had the same language, culture, and they had the same aspiration of self-determination into the land of Canaan or Canaan. And they became a people on the way to the land of Canaan, not after they established their state. That aspiration in of itself creates a people. And it's the same for us. Whether it happened in 1920, 1948, a month ago? Or it even happened <laughs> last night. It's none of your business. We, as a community, we created, we decided to create this identity, and this is who we are. I agree with you. I think that argument is just there to deflect from the actual conversation that should be happening, which is the rights of Palestinians and their, their right to return. And again, we're not doing justifications here, but we're trying to bring into perspective from our voice as Palestinians to tell you know, our listeners, that one, we're unapologetic about our identity and we stand against, uh, you know, claims that try to sabotage or to put our Palestinian identity in the same token as uh, terrorists and radical and ISIS. And at the same time, we won't accept from the Palestinian side also attempts that try to basically justify killing of innocent people. We're also we're not going to be ones who support that, and we're standing against that, and we will continue to do so. I think the word unapologetic is extremely key for where we stand, as uh, in our ideologies and in our in our beliefs, because we're not just unapologetically Palestinian. Uh, we're also unapologetically Israeli citizens. In the fact, in the essence of that, I have rights as an Israeli. And not because I'm Palestinian, being Palestinian doesn't overthrow, uh, being unapologetically Palestinian doesn't overthrow me strongly asking and getting those rights. And at the same at the same time, having that citizenship doesn't overthrow me and my Palestinian identity. I think that is the clearest way I can explain it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we... Uh... It's just a reminder to some people uh, that uh, this is our reality. We were born into this situation and uh, we can't drop who we are. Uh, to my Jewish friends, I'll remind them that, uh, you know, we are Israeli citizens because we were born here. Yeah. But we would have been Palestinian no matter where we would have been born. We would have been Palestinians anyways. And this is why we're, this is who we are. And in the same token, we are our reality, I mean, especially for me, my reality is not the same as someone who's from the West Bank. It's not the same as someone from Gaza Strip. I cannot proclaim their suffering as mine because they suffer through a lot more than I do. But And in many different ways. In many different ways. And, you know, we have our own struggles. Absolutely. It's not sunshine and rainbows here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think the exact Israelis themselves that have been protesting the government for, what, 35 weeks now? Roughly. Ha- also say that it's for them themselves, it's not sunshine and rainbows. So what does it say about the uh, Arab citizens or Palestinian citizens? And, you know, for like, a- and again, what I would want to, uh, you know, get out of this podcast is just to spread our word and uh, 
to try to change this reality because we've been living in the same status quo for way, way too long. And I, I saw it in even, even more in particular inside Israel. There was a facade reality and a fake perception that they live in peace, that people live in peace. We'll have a couple rockets every few months and we'll have an operation in Gaza or in the West Bank and people continue to go back to their daily lives. This doesn't work. The biggest, the biggest proof of that is where that festival was being held. A few, a few uh, kilometers away from the Gaza border. Yeah, there is a la- you know, there's a, a, a fake facade that there's perception that there. Yeah, there's a deception that there is just you know we live normal lives here and then and it's okay we can deal with a couple of rockets here and there and then we'll just go into West Bank we'll go into Gaza and then we'll have a few more months of quiet and peace for us. It's important to address for us because we don't see what happens on the other side. Guys, that's not good enough. And I ask that to my Jewish friends all the time. Really? Is this what the Jewish people really aspire for? After everything that the Jewish people have been through, that's what you want? A life that has conflict and ongoing forever and ever? You deserve better. We deserve better. Everyone deserves better. Arabs, Jews, Israelis, Palestinians, Muslims, Christians, everyone who lives on this land deserve better life than we had so far. And in the same token, it's also a statement to my Palestinian people. Going for an armed struggle for 80 years has led us to nowhere except for diminishing of two main things. Rights of Palestinians, because after every clash we just had more and more diminishing rights, and then the second thing is diminishing of land. The land shrinks more and more after every conflict that we've gone through and that there's you know, almost nowhere left. How far are we gonna go? Our, our peoplehood is, and what a Palestinian is, it's about the people before the land. We need to work on prospering our people before looking at how much of the land we will get. And that's why my belief is that the the only way forward is a way of going to a two-stage solution, a real one, where both sides are able to live and have their own rights of self-determination and prosperity. And of course, our call for changing the path doesn't also exclusively blame one side or the other. We're exclusively and unapologetically saying that we all fucked up. We all need to change, and we need to accept the fact that we all need to change. And I think to to wrap up the these two segments of our first episode is if you leave with one thing from from listening to us and never listen to us again, I think you should leave with the message of question everything. And I repeat again, question everything, because we want to have dialogue. We ha- we want to understand. Do your research talk to people, people you disagree with, talk to people, people that trigger you, ask them why they use that term. What does it mean? What does it mean? Bring your side of the story. Highlight, especially if you're Palestinian, if you're Israeli, if you're Jewish and you live in the West, use your voice for good. Um, And I want to thank you. I want to thank everyone who's listening for us, who's advocating, who's sharing. Thank you so very much. We appreciate it. Continue what you're doing and we'll continue what we are doing. And we'll promise on the next episode, we will be delving deeper into the war in Gaza 
And actually the question of how did we get to where we are today, looking back into the history of the conflict and particularly of what happened in Gaza up to the point or where we are now. And remember, at the end of the day, all of us, Arabs, Jews, Muslims, Christians, Palestinians and Israelis deserve better.